Praise God. Amen. Micah chapter 7. Again, it's good to have everybody today. Let me say we appreciate you. Love everybody. Amen. I'm thankful that you are here today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Micah chapter 7. We're going to go to the last three verses in there. Excuse me, ever since I have invisible braces and they dry my mouth out immensely. So I'll be drinking a lot. Amen. Micah 7, verse 18. How many's there? Amen. You are saying another good amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Micah 7, 18. Who is a God like unto you that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and that will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. Hallelujah. They're going to blast the shofar. We want you to give the Lord praise yes. for his word. Hallelujah. Come on, let's bless him. Come on, let's give it to Hallelujah. him. Come on, hallelujah. Let the Lord know today. Praise God. We are on the Lord's side. Hallelujah. We are on the Lord's side. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God, thank God. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. If the Lord will allow me, I'm going to minister simply on this thought, no fishing. Amen. No fishing. Look at your neighbor and say, no fishing. Hallelujah. No fishing. Praise God. I want to preface the message this morning because I think that uh, it's important for everyone to at least have some understanding of where we are. Amen. On God's calendar. Amen. The fall feasts were, uh, are where we are in uh, this evening at sundown. We're going into, again, as I said earlier, into Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement, which is the second of the High Holy Days or the second of the three fall feasts. Uh, amen. That really bring an end, uh, if you will, to uh, uh, our year of uh, celebrating the feast, but the beginning of God's year in celebrating the feast. And so, uh, when you look at the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, specifically verse 37, we see that the fall feasts were declared by Moses, amen, in Leviticus 23, 37. God commanded it as a feast unto him as a permanent statute. Everybody say permanent. permanent. A permanent statute from generation after generation on down in verse 41. So Moses declared, amen, that uh, it was a feast unto the Lord, amen, in verse 37. And then God commanded it to be a feast, a perpetual feast, a feast of forever and permanently from generation after generation in verse 41. Let me just throw in there that when we get into the new Jerusalem with Jesus, we will celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles with him. Hallelujah. So it, it is a permanent statute. Amen. Praise God. So it began last Friday. Amen. On the 15th. 
Amen. At sundown, it was Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets. Amen. This signals that the harvest has been gathered. Amen. So this uh, uh, signals that there is a harvest or that the fall harvest has been uh, gathered. It is a time to count our blessings and to move forward. Everybody say, don't go back. But move forward. Hallelujah. Rosh Hashanah is a sign of moving forward. It literally means the head of the year. Rosh being head and Amen. Shammah being year. So Rosh Hashanah is the head of the year. It is literally considered the birthday of the world. So it is the spiritual new year. Not to get confused. Amen. With the new year on the calendar. Amen. The uh, business new year, if I can say it like that, that actually begins at Passover. Uh, and so this is the spiritual new year. Amen. It is uh, the birthday of the world. Amen. And uh, beginning at Rosh Hashanah is what is known as the Ten Days of All. If you've read any of the church's Facebook posts or some of mine, we have talked about amen, the Days of All. Praise the Lord. That is a time of introspection. It is a time where we look inward and we begin to examine, uh, amen, our own lives. It is uh, the central theme, amen, is repentance. Teshuvah in the Hebrew. It is repentance. It is a time that we uh, uh, make our relationships secure and right with God. That, that not only with God, but also with other people. How many knows that uh, we can come to church every Sunday, do our best to serve the Lord, but if we are at odds, if we have odds with someone else or they do with us, the Bible tells us to leave our offering, our gift at the altar, go make restitution, then come back and begin to offer up our worship. Amen? So, it is, uh, the, the theme of this is uh, amen, repentance. And so, uh, beginning at Rosh Hashanah, the ten days of all, we count ten days of up until we get to Yom Kippur, or again, the Day of Atonement. Yom is the word day in the Hebrew, and Kippur is atonement. So uh, it is uh, the ten days leading up to uh, Yom Kippur and the Day of Atonement. These two uh, are considered what we they call the High Holy Days. And so these are very important because... Uh, God had declared them to be a statue forever, amen, from generation to generation. Now, Yom Kippur is the most important holiday or the most important and the most holiest day of the year. So that begins at sundown this evening and goes through sundown tomorrow evening. So on God's calendar, spiritually speaking, it is the holiest day of the year. Why is that? Because we know that on Yom Kippur, once every year on that day, the high priest would enter into the most holy place and he would make atonement for the sins of the nation with the blood sacrifice. It would not be for the sins of the individual 
but the sins of the nation. It will be up to each person to make a man their relationship right with the Lord to make sure that all of their sins and those things understand they did not have a man Jesus. They did not have anything but the law. And so this would happen once a year and it was to last until the following Yom Kippur. And so uh, the high priest would go in Amen. To the Holy of Holies or the most holy place on the holiest day of the year and he would make a blood sacrifice for the sins of the nation. He would make atonement. Now there are two goats. We've preached on this so just stay with me. I'm just kind of refreshing those of you that may have forgotten. Those of you that may think I'm crazy. Hallelujah. Just trying to give you some understanding But there are two goats during Yom Kippur. They would go to the Lord and also the goat called the Azazel. Azazel in the Hebrew literally means scapegoat or the scapegoat. Amen. So we have the goat of the Lord and we have the scapegoat. A scarlet thread. Amen. The, the, the sins of all the nations, the high priest would put his hands on the horns of the scapegoat he would pronounce all of the sins of the people of the nation over that scapegoat. They would tie a scarlet thread around the horn of that scapegoat. Amen. And that scapegoat would be released into the wilderness. Now they would lead that scapegoat out. And there was a step to that. So many steps. Amen. According to the length of the Sabbath and all of those kind of things. And they would lead that scapegoat out to amen, into the wilderness to a cliff, and they would push that goat over the cliff, and that goat would bust it, amen, as it went down, amen, and it got caught on the cliffs, we can you can the rest of in your imagination, amen, that same goat was thrown off the cliff, amen, and was uh, uh, given as a death. Uh, the goat of the Lord was sacrificed uh, unto God. So we have the goat of the Lord and the Azazel or the scapegoat. Amen. They would pronounce all of the sins uh, of the nation on the scapegoat, tie a scarlet thread uh, around the scapegoat's horn, and then they would take it out, uh, amen, lead it out to a cliff. They would throw it off of a cliff, uh, symbolizing hallelujah that all of the sins of the people were cast away. Come on, somebody. Do you understand the meaning? Praise God. And so that goat of the Lord was then sacrificed unto God. Amen. And the blood would be taken into the holy place. Now, uh, let me just say here that as uh, the ancient rabbis went on, uh, amen, they would take a uh, another scarlet thread, amen, they would cut that one in half, uh, and they would tie one to the, the, the scapegoat, and then they would attach another one to the door, amen, of the temple. And when the scapegoat, amen, had went over Amen. The cliff and was killed. Now, now history, ancient Jewish wisdom says that this literally has happened. But the scarlet thread would become white. Amen. And they would know then that the sins, amen, were thrown over or had been cast away. Hence the book of Isaiah where it says, though your sin, sins be as scarlet, they will be made white as snow. Amen. Hallelujah. So, 
At that point, amen, then the high priest would go in with the blood and make atonement. Amen. The word atone, if you'll pull that up for me. Amen. I want to show you this. Just amen to, to, to have you understand. But amen, the word atone isn't there. Hallelujah. Somewhere. Hopefully. Oh, there it is. Amen. The word atone, amen, again, kapoor, means to make persons at one. Amen. So what atonement would do is it would make the children of Israel and God at one. They would then be one, in other words, amen, in a right relationship with the Lord. Amen. You've got to understand that the atonement or at one, where two persons were at one, this was a complete restoration. This was complete restitution. There would be no way and reconciliation amen, there would be no way that it could be broken. Can I get amen, somebody to understand the power of the blood of Jesus? Hallelujah. The power of the blood of Jesus cannot be rendered powerless by anything. There's not a sin that you can commit amen, that renders the blood of Jesus powerless. Come on somebody, do you understand me? Hallelujah. Now there's a sin that cannot be forgiven, but it does not change the power of the blood right. of Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. So they were then at one. That is the state of complete reconciliation. Do you understand that when they left, amen, Yom Kippur, and the high priest came out of the Holy of Holies, and he was still standing, and he was still living, they could take a breath because they knew that God had received their forgiveness. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's why they went into Amen Sukkot for the Feast of Tabernacles with great joy because their sins had been forgiven and they were now reconciled back to God. Somebody needs to give Lord some praise right there. I'm trying to be quiet and to be calm. Hallelujah. But when you've been in that place where you didn't know if his mercy was still enough for you, if you've ever been in a state of bondage and sin, hallelujah, amen, where you needed deliverance and breakthrough, and you just wasn't convinced that he would be enough, but you see his mercy and his grace restore you, hallelujah, it's enough to make you excited. Because the Bible says that the blood of bulls and goats was not sufficient to cover sins beyond the prescription of the law. Amen. So this had to be done every year. So there was no end to this ritual until Jesus. Come on, somebody. But Jesus came, and the Bible says once and for all, he became the high priest. He took the blood, and he entered into the most holy place in heaven, and he sanctified and cleansed, hallelujah, the mercy seat, cleansed heaven, and now man can come boldly, hallelujah, to that throne of grace to obtain mercy, to find help in that time of need. Somebody tap your neighbor and say, but Jesus, but Jesus, if it had not been for Jesus, see that tells 
understand this. Come on. But in these appointed times, on God's calendar, there are blessings when we commemorate these perpetual feasts and these holy convocations of God. You may not recognize them. You may not see them. But the enemy does and the world does. There are blessings for those of us who commemorate these perpetual feasts. I do not to be saved, but I can because I am saved. Hallelujah. See, according to the law, hallelujah, I was not permitted to, amen, celebrate and partake of the blessing of that covenant. But because Jesus came and he grafted us in, and now we are in one new man, and nobody can do anything about it. But the blessing and the favor is mine and yours and the whosoever will You've got to understand that the Jews, remember when Abraham took Isaac up Mount Moriah? Uh -huh. yeah. He was going to offer him as a sacrifice. But when he got up there, the Bible says as he drew back the night, the angel of the Lord stopped him and said, Look, there's already a ram in the thicket. There's your sacrifice. Hallelujah. The Jews. Believe and teach that Amen. Abraham's ascent of Mount Moriah with Isaac, Amen, happened on Rose Hashanah. Hallelujah. So, Amen. Praise God. Do you understand? Hallelujah. The significance of all that takes place. Now, let's look at Micah 7. Let me say now. Now. I need to refresh you on that. Amen. Just a little bit. There's so much more that I could have said. Amen. Praise the Lord. We'll say that for a rainy day. Look at Micah 7. Amen. When we look at Micah chapter 7, if you go to the beginning of the chapter, it's the last chapter in this book, in the prophet's book. Amen. If you look at the whole chapter and go to the beginning, you're going to see that this is Israel's confession, but it's also Israel's comfort. Come on. So we're talking about confession. Amen. Confessing sin. We're talking about repentance. We're talking about reconciliation. Are you getting a are you getting amen a connection here? Hallelujah. That's why it begins out. The first phrase is woe is me. The prophet says, Woe is me. Why? Because he recognized the sin, amen, that left them impoverished. The sin that left them busted, disgusted, and flat broke. Come on, I'm talking about mentally, financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. They were busted. They were broke. Maybe you're in here today and you're busted and broke in all of those places. But maybe you're busted and broke in some of those places. I don't know today. But I come to tell you, remind you that there is hope. Hallelujah. It said there were no grapes to eat. It said, amen, that what they had to eat was like the vintage or the grapes that were left after they had gleaned, amen, the harvest. So there was literally nothing left. That's how impoverished they were or deficient they were in their relationship with God. That's what I want you to understand. 
Amen. The Bible says, amen, Micah says there was not one upright among all humanity. Amen. There was not one who was upright. Now think of that. There wasn't one who was considered upright. But he said the best of those was like a briar. The best of the ones that were left that were even close to being upright were like a briar. How many ever got stuck in a briar patch? Hallelujah. You don't, you don't jump for joy. He said, and the most, the most upright out of those who were not upright. Are you getting are you getting that there? Amen. He said, the most upright out of those who remain, hallelujah, were worse than a thorny hedge. Hallelujah. So now think about how bad their relationship was with God. How much of a mess that things were, amen, in their relationship. He said, it's the time of our watchman. It's the time of our punishment. In other words, we're getting, amen, we're about to get what we have earned. Come on, somebody, do you understand me? There's some of you that struggle with that earning mess. Amen. The enemy still has you convinced that you got to earn your place in the table, at the table of God. you got to earn, amen, the favor of God. You can't earn anything. Jesus doesn't pay for it. There's nothing you can do that will secure it any more than what it is already secured by the blood of Jesus. So you can walk away from it, walk out of it, amen, and leave, amen, the blessing of the covenant. Hallelujah. There's nothing you can do, amen, that will secure that place any more than what it already is. Hallelujah. And he went on to say, here's this this time. He said, don't trust your neighbor. Amen. Don't put confidence in your friends. Can I tell you that I believe we are in a time right now in our spirit, in the warfare, in these unprecedented times. Amen. In these times that we are living. You see, yesterday was predicted, amen, that the rapture was going to happen by a lot of people. Somebody missed it unless we all, amen, miss the rapture. I don't know. Maybe there's a couple that are gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, help me. I'm trying not to be sarcastic. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we're still here. Hallelujah. Amen. And we're going to work while it's day because the night comes when no man shall work. But that doesn't mollify the fact that it could be tonight. It could be tomorrow. We don't know the hour or the day, but he says you'll know by the season. I truly believe that the fall season is the season that we're going to see the coming of the Lord and everything take place. Hallelujah. So he might just blow us all away and come right smack dab in the middle of Sukkot. I don't know. Hallelujah. But what I do know is, is that we have an opportunity right now, this moment on Sunday, the 24th, to get right, be right, and stay right. We've got an opportunity right now to get ready, be ready, and stay ready. For in the hour that you think not, the Son of Man shall appear. I need somebody to help me. In this place, but we're living in a time when you cannot put trust in your neighbor. You cannot put confidence in friendships. You cannot invest, put all that you can. I'm not saying that you can't have friends. I'm not saying that you can't trust neighbors, but don't put it in them. He even said, don't put confidence in the one and that lies in bed next to you at night. In other words, don't even put confidence in your spouse. I read that this morning. I thought if my mama don't go, it won't hinder me. If my daddy don't go, it won't hinder me. If my wife don't go, it won't hinder me. If 
if you don't go, it won't hinder me. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? Because, amen, hallelujah, don't put your trust in horses and chariots, but put your trust in the one that has the power. Amen, to take your life and give it back to you. I feel a give it back kind of anointing in this house today. I said I feel a give it back kind of anointing in this house today. Then he goes on to say that your enemies are in your family. Well, I'm talking to you today. Your enemies are your family members. It, it, it says there in Micah 7, hallelujah, that sons will be against fathers. Sons in laws will be against fathers in law. Daughters will be against mothers. So on and so forth. Hallelujah. A time of division. Amen. Your family members are your enemies. So this is what Micah said. Amen. What's my solution to that? Bless the Lord. I can't talk to nobody. Can't trust nobody. What is it that I'm supposed to do? I'm glad you asked. Micah said, so what you got to do is you got to look to the Lord. You got to look to the Lord. Because he will hear you when you cry out to him. I'm talking to somebody. I feel that unction right now. In the depths of my spirit. Hallelujah. The enemy's trying to convince somebody that the Lord is not hearing you when you pray. That your prayers are amiss. That everything you pray, amen, is not happening. But I come to tell somebody, I hear the Holy Ghost say, keep looking to the Lord. Because his word says he will hear you. And if he hears you, he will answer. It may not always be the answer you want, but he will let you know that I've got my eye on that. I feel that for somebody today. So he said, here's what I'm going to do. I will wait for the God of my salvation. He said in verse 8, because now keep in mind, he's already, he's already established all the enemies that he has. If God be for us, who can be against us? Right. He's already established all the enemies that he has. So here's what he says in verse 8. He said, Rejoice not against me, my enemy. That's right. Now, don't you know something? He said, When I fall, I shall rise. He didn't say, If I fall, meaning that probably more than likely it's going to happen. Why? Because we are, amen, trying to live out and make it happen and we're not perfect. The blood of Jesus just justifies us in the midst of imperfection. In the midst, hallelujah, of failure, the blood of Jesus reconciles us back to God through our submission and faith in the power that the blood has. He didn't say, but he said, when I fall, don't you even begin to celebrate. Because I ain't going to stay down there forever. I don't know how long I'll be down, but I'll tell you what, I'm getting up. I'm coming up. So when you see me fall, don't rejoice over me, my enemy. Because I will arise. There's resurrection power in the name of Jesus. There's goodness power Today, you've got power to rise up. Amen. Amen. 
He said, when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. In other words, he ain't going to leave me there. Are you hearing me? Now, here's what you got to catch on that. See, this is taking responsibility for their sin. That's, that's quit playing the blame game. Listen, we've all got sorted, messed up, stinky past. We've all, in some way or another, been treated unjustly, unrighteously. We've been abused. We've been neglected. We've been abandoned. I'm not underestimating that. But can I tell you, the Apostle Paul said there comes a time that you should grow out of immaturity. And that there comes a point in your life when you must stop using what's been done to you as an excuse look a man away from the Lord. You've got to make up your mind, hallelujah, that I've decided that I'm not going to let it. Oh, come on, somebody, did you hear that? Hallelujah. So they took responsibility for their sin. And listen, listen, listen. Hallelujah. And he said, I will wait. He said, I will wait until God pleads my case. You gotta understand the courts of heaven. I don't want to go into it, don't have time. But the Bible says that the Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He stands before God and he accuses you and I. He stands before God. Hallelujah. And he accuses you and I. But there's a court in heaven. Hallelujah. And who is the judge? Hallelujah. The God of this universe. Who is your attorney? His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. He and you don't come by him cheap. You've got to pay a price. Amen. What do they call those free attorneys that you can get? I can't remember what. No. Public defender, yeah. He ain't some public defender that could give a care about that you're just another number and statistic. Hallelujah. But he paid a high price to stand before the great and mighty creator and to plead your case before the arch enemy of your life. And it's going to cost you something. You can't keep on sinning. You can't keep on committing crimes and just put blame out of belief for the government to get you a man that attorney. But you got to say, God, I give it all. It costs you something. It's going to hurt. There's going to be some suffering. There's going to be some sacrifice. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? But when you stand in the courts of heaven, will be in the mud. 
under my feet. Come on, I got the devil under my feet. Hallelujah. Hold fast. Hold on. It may look like you're losing. I don't know who told you that you could not make it. I don't know who told you that it's time to quit. But you hold on because God ain't finished yet. Vindication. Come on, somebody. Easy for God to walk away. 
The enemy convinces you that God has left you. The enemy convinces you that God doesn't want you. The enemy will convince you that God does not have any desire to be in a relationship with you. But can I tell you, he cannot walk away from you easily. Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes right. over the transgression right. of the remnant of his heritage? Why does he do that? The Bible says because he delights in mercy. We're saying it on purpose. Some of you, it went right over your head. You had an opportunity to dance to it, to rejoice to it, to declare it, to praise to it. The Lord delights in showing mercy. He does. That's why. He's so good. He delights in showing mercy. Like they predicted, praise God. 
Hallelujah. We're still here. Amen. I never thought about it yesterday until the end of the day and I realized, well, bless the Lord, we're still here. Hallelujah. So somebody missed it somewhere. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm not criticizing them. I'm just saying, praise God. You understand. He delights in mercy. Amen. So the judgment that's coming upon this earth, amen, is really an expression of mercy because, amen, uh, those judgments are like the cutting away cancer. The surgery hurts, but it must come take place or the whole body will be affected. There comes a point when the judgment must come because God has mercy upon those who are just and right in him. Come on somebody help me. That's why on the flip side of judgment there's always victory and breakthrough for those who are his. Come on somebody because he delights in mercy. If God delights in mercy then why is there an, an unpardonable sin? We should be grateful that there's only one. Right. Yeah. Come on. Right. That's mercy. Right. Come on. We should be thankful that there's only one unpardonable sin. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That there's only one, the sin of rejecting that mercy. Come on. So if God delights in mercy, then, then the question, why do I feel that, that he can't have mercy on me? Have I got your attention? If he delights in mercy, then why is it that I feel like he can't have mercy on me? When it comes to that case, you need to trust God and not your feelings. You feel like he doesn't have mercy on you. That does not nullify the truth that he delights in showing mercy. That's just a feeling. Your feelings operate by the flesh. Your flesh, amen, if it is controlled by sin and by unrighteous thinking, then you're going to feel like he is not merciful to you. Hallelujah. It ain't about your feel. See, whatever despair and, and may whisper or whatever doubt, amen, may suggest, praise God, that one text of Scripture is worth 50 fears and doubts or 50,000. Because all objections to the delight of God in mercy are nothing but illusions in your brain and delusions of your heart. Can I put that in heavenly terms? It ain't real. It's not true. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, praise God, if God had pulled his mercy from you, you would not care whether or not you have his mercy. But the fact that you care whether or not he will show mercy on you proves that the enemy is lying to you and there's mercy for you. You just got to stop feeling sorry for yourself and feeling like the whole world is against you because they are. But all that's against you, there's one for you. And he is the God of the universe. And he delights in showing mercy. Here's the, here's the, here's the final one. That's a, it's a clincher. Everybody, everybody grip your fist. So God is this merciful to those who sin against him. Do we have any justification for not showing mercy to those who sin against us? Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Amen. There you go. That's right. You know, how, you know how much anguish and pain that causes us to, to grip your fists all the time and to hold on? Amen. Praise God. To grit and grind because you're just waiting for vindication. You're just waiting for that one that 
that sinned against you. Hallelujah. Come on, do you understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Do I ever say I won't forgive? Amen. Because you'll seal your own condemnation if you say that. Amen. And you forgive not the one that trespasses against you. Because if you don't forgive them, then you cannot receive forgiveness from your Heavenly Father. That's scripture. Are you with me? The Lord delights in showing mercy. He will have compassion. I'm, I'm, I'm getting where I'm, about where I'm, where I'm headed. He will have compassion on us. And he said he will subdue our iniquities. That word subdue in the Hebrew means to tread down, to conquer, to bring into subjection. He will subdue our iniquities. Then he says he will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. And he will continue the past work to the forefathers of old. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What does he say? That will perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which I have sworn to the fathers from days of old. If he gives up on you, that means he nullifies his covenant in the beginning with Abraham. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? And it cannot be broken. Oh, hallelujah. And because the covenant can't be broken, then he delights in showing mercy over you. Come on, help me. Help me, help me, help me. I don't know who I'm talking to today. Now I'm getting to my fault. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I know some of you are happy. <laughs> At least you're happy. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> hallelujah. So we already said repentance is expressed during Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It's a theme that is woven throughout those high holy days. But it's expressed during this time through the tradition of Tashik. Everybody say that, Tashik. Tashik. Doesn't matter whether you're men or not. You don't change who you are in Christ. Amen? Tashik means to cast off or to cast away in Hebrew. So now I'm going said all of that, preface all of that to get us here. This tradition of Tashik to cast off or to cast away during Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It's usually done on the first day of Rosh Hashanah. But it's even done during the ten days of all, even up to the last day of Tabernacles. That's called grace. In my book. Hallelujah. The Jews don't see it like that, but it's grace in my book. It's called Jesus. Come on. Now, Toshik, I want you to hear me. It's done next to a body of water, like a sea, a lake, a river, a pond, or even a stream. Now, when there's no such body of water, they will even do it next to a well or even a bucket of water. Remember. This is expressing, this is a way of expressing repentance. It's Tashik. It's a way of expe- expressing repentance during the season of repentance. So once 
the toxic is concluded, then the corners of their clothes are shaken out. Expressing that they have cast off everything that separated them from a right relationship with God. You can see it in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. Pull that up. You can see Tashlik. It says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake it to Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. This was during Rosh Hashanah, and this was an expression of repentance or Tashlik. So they all gathered as one, a man standing at the water gate, a man getting ready, hallelujah, to uh, a man express their repentance or to express, uh, a man, praise God, uh, the casting off of everything that had hindered them, uh, a man between them and God. Today they even drop breadcrumbs to symbolize the carrying away of the sins. So they would do this next to a river, amen, because Rosh Hashanah is a day that we coronate God as the king of the universe. Did you know, amen, that kings, Jewish kings, were anointed beside a river? Amen, they were crowned, anointed, or coronated, amen, next to a river. Amen. So uh, they would uh, do this next to a riverbank because Rosh Hashanah is the time of crowning God as supreme, the king of the universe. Amen. So now, amen, praise the Lord, they're doing this, amen, because they is symbolizing a man that God is in control. You see, going to a riverbank or going to a sea bank, amen, also shows God's mercy from preventing the waters, amen, from flooding the dry land. As we stood, as many of you have, as we stood in the ocean, amen, and we watched the waves, you can see how far they went, amen, and it is God who directs. The Bible says how far the waves and the tide can go. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing that it can come up so far that it will rush right back? So standing on the riverbank at Rosh Hashanah, doing Tashlik, amen, doing the casting off, doing the throwing away, doing, amen, the shaking off of everything that has hindered you and God. Hallelujah. Is a man a sign of God's mercy that the water doesn't come up and it doesn't flood the dry land? Here we go again, showing a man that he delights in mercy. It shows the omnipotence of God. And you know what scripture they quote? Amen. At Tashlik. Hallelujah. Micah 7, 18 and 19. Bring it back up. We read it earlier. I want to read it again. Who is a God like unto me that pardons iniquity, passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retains not his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will turn again and he will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and he will cast our sins into the depths of the 
morning that once you shake it off, it cannot come back. Once it has been forgiven, oh, somebody help me, it cannot be held against you any longer. Oh, but it gets a little better because in the Hebrew, the understanding, the goal of Tashrik is not just to cast off our sins, but it is also to cast off the accuser. Who is the accuser? It's the one that stood in the courts of heaven and said they're guilty. They need to be destroyed. But God said, no, I will return unto them again and I will have compassion and mercy. Now, amen, it's Jesus. He said Jesus once and for all and said, I cannot turn my back on them. Oh, somebody help me. away. It doesn't save us, but it is a symbol. Oh, come on. It is a tangible expression that I've been born again. I give my life to Jesus. So when people say, is it alright for me to be baptized again? You can be baptized every week if you want to, just to get the devil a black eye to say, you know what? I may have messed up and you may be telling me this or that, but I am a child of the Lord. And I just want So it's the same thing that's shaking off. Amen. That tossing of 
casting away not only the sins but the things that have held you down everything that the enemy has put on you amen some of you have received deliverance this year and the enemy would love for you to stay empty because he comes looking for a house that is swept and garnished and if he finds it empty he'll bring seven more devils amen and take back that house but you got to fill yourself up with the things of God. you got to fill yourself up with the power, the word, and praise. Amen. Get yourself in the house of God. Get yourself in the presence of other believers. Surround yourself. Fill your mind with praise. Fill your mouth with truth. Fill your eyes with peace. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? Hallelujah. And shake off everything that the enemy has tried to keep you back. Jesus is the living water. He's that well of healing and deliverance. So he's that which we cast it off into. He's the water that we cast it off into. He's the one who justifies us. And who put the enemy under his feet first. He did it first because he did it. We can't. He put him under his feet. I was swimming around the front of our porch yesterday. And I, my mind went back to, to last fall when I was out there cleaning. And I found a snake skin right in the hedge. Right, 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 right next to the porch. And there was a hole. I thought, I hate snakes. Don't like them at all. This song that they around. Oh, no, no, no. Away from me. I don't want it. I will lay hands on you suddenly if you come towards me. You the snake. No joke. I play that mess. But I thought, that snake's in here. And I didn't even know it. He's somewhere. Hopefully not that hole. No, he ain't in my house. That was last year. He ain't in there. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that. But I thought he was here. I didn't even know it. Do you know how many times the enemy shows up and you don't even know it? That God has kept you. Come on, somebody, you hear me? Hallelujah! Praise God! How many times? Amen. Sometimes those evidence that he was there, and you're like, where did that come from? I didn't even know he was there. But Jesus put him under his feet. Now here's what you got to understand. Once it is cast off, it cannot be retrieved. So he cast it. I'm not finished. Hey, go ahead and come to the music. I'm not finished.
stand between you and God and God's people and God's will and your destiny are now in the mud with him. Come on, somebody. Right. So what he's going to do is the enemy's going to come to that body of water. He's going to come to the place where you have cast off. Come on. Yeah. Where you have done Tishol, uh, 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 where you have done that, he's going to come there and he's going to try to bring that back up. Yeah. But what you need to do is put up a sign, no fishing. Yeah. No fishing. Because what I have cast off cannot be retrieved. You cannot come here and try to bring back up what I have cast off. Because it's down in the depths, the deepest mud the sea and it cannot be brought back up. I don't care how bad it was. I don't care who done it. I don't care what caused it. I don't care how long it was there. I don't care who it was, what it was, how much the enemy did. I have cast it off and I have believed that he has got mercy and grace upon me and I'm not going to stay in this place any longer so I'm going to cast off everything that the enemy has said that he has done and I'm going to move forward in this new year this spiritual new year I'm going to move forward and the devil is not going to take my position of joy on Sukkot he's not going to take my position of rejoicing during tabernacles because I have made a decree no fishing here the devil cannot bring back up hallelujah what's already been cast into the depths of the sea God's taken it he's removed it and it cannot be retrieved I don't care how much the enemy Come on. convinces you that it's not forgotten he delights in mercy. That's right. He delights in mercy. He saw this to me the other day. So I don't know who you are today that's in here. But some of you come in here with some stuff hanging on you. Whether it be sin, your past, thoughts, strongholds, which are here, they're not something that, that hang around the air that you can pull down out of the air, they're right here in your mind. You gotta, you gotta cast them down. A stronghold is a lie that's, is a, is a, is a, is a strong place that's formed through a lie that the enemy has convinced you is true. And then everything you think and everything you feel and everything you see gets filtered through that lie. But the Lord delights in showing mercy. Strongholds are coming down. Jesus is lifted high. Some of you have got some stuff hanging on you that the enemy has attached to you through torment. Come on, somebody. He wants you to be afraid of what's happening in the earth. Because some stuff's happening. Yep. Listen to me. Listen to me. We're right, we're right on the cusp of, of great things 
fulfilling prophecy. They're right now, right now in Israel, contemplating an historical peace treaty with Saudi Arabia. And when Israel and the Palestinians come to any kind of peace agreement, you better wake up. Because that's the beginning. You say, well, we ain't supposed to be here. I'm not telling you we'll be here, but they're talking about it. This weekend, they, this past week, they had meetings in the United Nations, and that Yahoo is considering. Because remember in 2020, uh, that President Trump got the Abraham Accord, got it signed, and that is their first step into this peace agreement between the Palestinians and Israel. And it's all over a little piece of land. That God's already got his fingerprint on it. God's already said it belongs to his people. So they can, they, can, they can sign all the contracts they want to. It ain't going to nullify what God spoke to Abraham. Come on, somebody. I believe because the Lord delights in mercy. Why is judgment coming? Because he's having mercy upon his people. Come on. So I'm telling you, we are on the brink of seeing. So you better get it right. right. You better make up your mind today because you don't have to. Right. The Bible doesn't give us that. It's the same thing all across this place. So you got some stuff hanging on you. You got some stuff you come in here with some things attached to you. You've lifted your hands and you praised the Lord this morning. Amen. But you got some stuff attached to you. I've come today, amen, through the unction of the Holy Spirit to tell you that God said during this Yom Kippur, hallelujah, during this day of atonement, Amen. Commemorating our high priest who once and for all went into the holy place, who, who through his mercy, who his loving kindness, hallelujah, paid that price. Praise God. You need to, amen, cast it off. You need to do some tashalik. You need to cast off everything that has weighted you, the burden and the sin, and begin to cast off the things that the enemy has attached to you that do not belong to you. And when you cast them off, you will cast them into the depths of the sea, into the abyss, and they will stay stuck in the mud. <laughs> Hallelujah. You need to tell the devil in the morning when you get up, devil, you know what? That's stuck in the mud. You can't bring that back on me. That's stuck down in the mud. You can't do that. No fishing here. No fishing here. You ain't going to get anything. Hallelujah. Praise God, because you cannot bring back what God That's has right. already taken. That's right. It can't be retrieved. Do you understand that? Yet you allow the enemy to dredge up your past over and over and over and over again when it's nothing but a memory. So if you're here today, is it a game of worship? And you're lost. You do not have a right relationship with the Lord. I urge you.